0: On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses seeing yes at Mickey's black box. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory as we discuss their recent experience seeing Yes in Lidit's PA at Mickey's Black Box. had to get a plug-in for Mickey's Black Box. It's just fun to say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it, it's interesting. You guys had the opportunity a few weeks ago at this point to, as mentioned in the intro, see, yes, at Mickey's Black Box in Lit it's PA, which mm-hmm. I don't know that I was certainly aware of it until um, we had Ken Fuller on for the last yes. tour, where he, yes. saw, he saw the warm-up performance And, um, you know, learned a little bit about Mickey's black box. And so I was very, very happy when this tour was announced. One of the first things that struck me was the fact that I wasn't going to be able to get to see them because they are not coming anywhere near Texas. And the timing of this tour, like my schedule was already booked up. So I knew there was no way that I was going to get to see them and, truth be told, and with full transparency, I was okay with that. But I was was also very, very excited when um, I think, Paul, you kind of out of the blue said, hey, Ken, you want to go see them at the black box? And I'm like, that will be fun. So really glad you guys got to do that.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's cool. So first, got to give a shout out to my uh, college roommate Dave Presslloyd for just randomly on a Monday like when the show was announced saying hey I just got tickets to this and and god love Dave Presslloyd because he I guess knows me well enough not to sit around and wait for any you know thought processing to take place <laughs> he just bought himself a ticket and said hey I'm going brilliant you should, yep you should buy a ticket so I was like oh is this the place that we were talking about with Ken Fuller so I did a quick google search and i was like yes this is this is it so mm-hmm. i dial up kenny g online mm-hmm. and the second shout out ken it's you brother you're just like yeah there was maybe a moment where you're like oh my gosh my schedule is ridiculous <laughs> and it's a tuesday night and then you're just like oh sure i'll i'll i think you said I'll be I'll be coming in hot from work.
2: And- <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean I I was just forty eight hours back from a wedding out of state. You know I was fried, but I knew I knew it it, it was worth it. I will say about that coming in hot from work, we ha- we we ha- we did have Ken Fuller on, and and one of the reasons we both wanted to go was that wonderful review that that Ken Fuller gave us. But he was like, oh, I had a drive to the countryside. I had a burger. I had my beer it was beautiful in pennsylvania and mickey's black box was pleasant me i'm just like cursing the whole way through the turnpike banging on the steering wheel and people get out of my way i had exactly 90 minutes from the end of work to the start of the concert and then i get there and i'm all in a huff and i'm like like trying to sneak around the loading dock and i run into billy and i'm just like what did what? you really? <laughs> I'm just like, "Hi, this is awesome. This is wonderful." I shake his hand, and he goes, "You're late." I said, "Yes, sir," and I, <laughs> I just, I just right in the building. And uh... <laughs> are you serious? That is outrageous. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, and then, um, uh, you know, and 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 if I I wasn't waking up at an ungodly hour the next day i I would have hung around because uh you know as i was pulling away i saw that uh jeff and billy were greeting folks uh, at the end wow uh, in the outdoors
1: and and the great news and i will say i had a much more leisurely drive in i was heading in from uh you know some distant parts of maryland and uh met up with dave presley at uh at the local uh local irish saloon i'll call it i don't know if it's really irish but it was a it was an old school pub and um I, I think they had they had some typical you know uk fair and um you know enjoyed a burger and uh an old-fashioned and uh you know the good the good part was you know it, it was a, it was a you know mickey's black box is is a small venue right so you walk in and there were a couple bars so we picked up a drink, and they had all the Roger Dean artwork, you know, scattered around and everything like that. And, and uh, Dave Presley saw the Asia Dragon print that was up, and he said, "Paul, I'm going to get a picture of this for your tattoo artist." <laughs> um, you know, Dave and I were very, you know, uh, relaxed going in, and he went to his seat, I went to mine, and I had my eyes peeled for Kenny G. And although Ken was rushed, he didn't miss a note because. There was an extremely long uh, presentation done by Roger Dean, uh, sort of a walk through "This Is Your Life" presentation uh, by Roger Dean of um, of all of his artwork, and uh, which uh, which you know was perfect. That allowed Ken a nice time to relax and get into his seat and hustle a- for the show. Have a little uh, little
0: tête-à-tête with uh, Billy Sherwood before he got there. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so i'm sitting there i mean roger dean was great it was maybe a little little long um fascinating he's not the most animated of public speakers um but really you know he's very i mean he's very interesting and i do think that that um i mean he's funny enough but you know he's very very dry but i do think that most of the people in the audience are you know fascinated enough with his artwork that you know that it kept their attention and uh, I believe he's they, – they're continuing to do that you know, through, the, through the tour.
0: So, um, so when you say it was a, a walk through Roger's artwork, like it literally was about Roger's artwork or was it about the work that Roger has done with Yes? Like,
1: No, it was, it was really his recanting of his schooling and all of the things that he you know, uh, agreed with and disagreed with in schooling and a lot of design – and architecture mm-hmm. and he one of the coolest things about it was he actually shared some designs that he had for um you know some of his uh, paintings and later artwork were, were inspired by you know his his uh designs and desire to create these you know very modern and and you know fantastic looking defendable living spaces mm. and um fascinating you know he showed some models that he did you know in school and actually some of these places that were you know actually prototypes that were built so like you know things that would have been people's you know home to live in um, but sort of built as um, as a, a model so you could kind of see on uh, you know it's almost like someone takes the top of the Millennium Falcon off and you can see everything you know where they where they go and everything um, and I and I you know I may have not got all of the information correct but there was a couple of things and one commission that you know he had hoped would actually come to fruition someday um where they might actually build one of these um one of these styled buildings um for a museum or something like that so and then he kind of transitioned into his paintings and just showed a lot of the sketches and paintings that he did one, one of the fascinating things was you know he talked about uh how some things start in the abstract so he shared sort of an abstract uh, d- idea of paint, which, you know, he said ended up evolving into, and I can't remember the cover, I'm sorry. And he, sh- you know, showed the cover that it, it, it evolved into. And he showed the Yes covers, but also covers that he did for um, like Badger and uh, Asia and all, all the different types of covers that he's done uh, for, for all the bands that he's done them for. It was pretty cool. Totally, I awesome. love
2: your Millennium Falcon reference, Paul, uh, because a lot of if you go to rogerdean.com/architectural-designs, hyphen you'll see this uh, concept, and I believe one of these was built. Um, it's got a very Tatooine quality.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yes, it does. Yeah, I, it's it's wonderful. I picked up on that. Yeah, and I've got the Millennium Falcon on my mind because I just picked up the, the Millennium Falcon toy, and. um I'm, I want to build it into a base. Well, we'll see how that works. So, That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it's that. It's on the mind. Yeah, so then Roger Dean finished. Mickey came out and said perhaps the greatest quote I've heard in the entire month of September. He said, we're going to take a small intermission. He said, you can fill up your drinks. And he said, and go to the bathroom. He said, because as we're getting older, he said, we may not pee a lot, but we do pee often. <laughs> and... <laughs> And off we went to a 15-minute break uh, before before
0: the band started. Spectacular. Was there anything to add about the venue that Ken Fuller did not communicate to us last time we talked about Mickey's Black Box?
2: Um, it was interesting. Uh, there were some folks in the balcony. I couldn't tell if they were sitting or standing or a combination of both. Um, I didn't realize there was a balcony. And we did have people without seats kind of in in, in the wings. Hmm. Um, So, Paul, did those folks stand the entire time?
1: It seemed like they were standing the entire time,
2: yeah. Some very diehard fans doing the standing thing. But it is, as described, just uh, like a black box theater, very square, uh, Uh, very, very intimate.
1: It's small and intimate. And I have to say, like, when I my recollection of picking our seats out on the you know the ticket master thing i mean we it was nothing like what we ended up with we i i was like literally on the on the on the wrong side of the stage before ken got there so i'm in completely the wrong spot looking for my seat (laughs) row h i'm like way over on the one side and the reason i'm way over on the one side is because in my mind that's where I selected the seats right ticketmaster on my phone you know like I remember right so so finally um you know the one guy in kind of a casually smart ass kind of way says no, I, I think you know your numbers are over over there because there was only like four seats in the one the one on the side so I you know I'm like oh and I turn around and I said gotcha and I and I said sorry I, I was like you know, I'm new at this going to concerts thing. I never never <laughs> you know. And um so our seats end up being I mean I, I mean they could have been better, but they were right center stage, right in front of John. Nice. And it, it seemed like it it seemed like I uh, you know, I could have held up my you know, my supersized text font on a text message and Billy could have read my text message from wherever he was.
0: <laughs> Very nice. What, um, I guess I've got two questions f- about the, the general venue before we can get into it. Uh, I guess first, how was the sound in Mickey's Black Box?
1: I will acquiesce to Ken since he's definitely the more finicky
2: live sound listener. I am an unrelenting tart. I, I, I uh, yes, I, I, I've complained so much. It was an ideal venue for me an ideal seating for me uh so I, I i really can't complain um the 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 only sentiment that occurred to me on two or three occasions is that you know maybe steve's sound was a little thin and i i like the fact that steve's sound is thin because he works for a living. I'm like guitarist that use three distortion pedals and the uh, yeah. and the MXR Dynacomp and everything in between, um, you know, he is actually beating on that instrument for two and a half hours, and uh, uh, a collection of insanely expensive instruments for two and a half hours, and 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 I love that. I just I, that's what I love about Steve Howe. They're they're not juiced up and ready to fly. They're 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 honest to God instruments that make honest to god acoustic noises and Mm. he works for every note that he gets but yeah there were there were some some
1: spaces where steve was
2: just just not quite ballsy enough
1: interesting yeah i i agree i I think you know i think you know steve could turn up the gain a little bit you know on some of those passages or you know maybe uh you know maybe just some kind of mid boost to give some oomph to some of those, um, you know, some of the solos, and and I and I even question whether or not he is um, going a route of uh, what do you call those like modelers, like um, the uh, Axe Effects or the Kemper's. Oh, he's been um, a Line Six guy. I
2: thought the two amps behind him—he he had a primary amp and a backup amp—and I'm that, pretty sure they were Line that,
1: Six amps the amps were line six i just i must i i guess that's 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 the answer then so he's a line six sort of guy because you know some of the sounds you know like we'll get to the set list but like you know machine messiah was spot on like it was mm-hmm. you know so it sounded just like you know his telly uh you know and just you know rocking yet it was somehow tamed like it wasn't that out of control mm. Um, nasally, awful sound. So I, I, he could have been a little bit um, louder. And you know, I, I, generally speaking, I I, oh, I don't I don't want to jump in with any kind of criticisms at this point in time. Um, and I don't know that I have criticisms. And I'll I'll, I'll couch it by saying all of it. Everything I say is this is that um, I, when I go and see, yes, I I feel, I feel like I'm going to see a bunch of old friends play their songs. I mean, I've been seeing a version of this band play for, I mean, how long has it been for us? So 30 years that we've been doing this? Yeah. Almost. And, and, um and, and so, uh, you know, I, I say everything with all the love in my heart. And, you know, when I, when I joke around about some of the things, because when I see things like happen, I laugh, I chuckle. Cause I'm like, yeah, these are my old buddies. Like, <laughs> look at them. <laughs> you know? So, so um you know I would have liked a little bit a little bit more unch on his uh, some of his guitar sounds but uh but yeah my my only thing about the sound was I I kind of felt like there were there were times where the the vocals were you know John Davison was just getting lost a little bit in in the mix of everything and I and I would have been able I would have liked to have been able to him, hear him a little more clearly but that was but but, uh, but that is p- quite
2: possibly I mean comparatively to any other environment the film more included that it could be the best John Davidson vocal performance you've ever seen.
1: Oh well I mean John uh, uh, not just vocal performance but just performance overall like I don't know Yes yes yeah I don't know if it's because I've I've always seen him pretty a, a pretty good distance away right and you know he is maybe subtle in his movements but I mean he he was in command of the yes. stage, and and yes. I and I would tell you that song to song, I'm I was convinced that John Davison was the only one who actually was positive of what the arrangement was on <laughs> um, on all the songs.
2: Yeah, he did he he did function a little bit as a band leader, and I thought in terms of persona there was a Benoit David element to what he was doing. He had some of the machismo and uh, just some of the grace that, that, that we associated with that era.
1: Mm. Interesting. Yes. Yes, indeed.
2: And, and, and just we, and through yeah. the guitar. Cause, cause, cause David played guitar and, yeah. and, and, oh, yeah. and, and I get that same vibe when um, Davison picks up the guitar. <laughs> And, and we'll get into the songs
0: in just a minute. My, the second question that I had with regards to Mickey's Black Box is, since it is in a relatively remote location uh, and it's, you know, a small venue, essentially a dress rehearsal, is the crowd any different from a normal Yes show that, that you guys would see in the greater Philadelphia area?
2: Mm. I, I mean, I recognize a third of the audience from uh, Yes shows and prog and TMR shows and uh, Facebook, and uh, it's it, it it's you know Paul said you know a uh, bit of a family and there's a bit of a, a family vibe in the audience and, uh, yeah. and uh, it's great it's great um, seeing folks and recognizing faces, but you know there there, there were plenty of people. Um, Couple we sat next to were were kind of local, so maybe they're not steeped in yes lore and they're not diehards, but they you know love the venue and they love the band. Cool.
1: I would say it was you know a very typical uh, yes crowd. A lot of uh, older gentlemen, um, most of whom did seems like they have not missed a meal or a beverage in uh, quite some time, (laughs) and um, and by some of the gas when, you know, some of the deeper tracks were up uh, and some of the newer tracks were brought out. Um, definitely a, a hardcore uh, a yes, yes following. Cool. This
0: is called the Classic Tales of Yes Tour. We have right. been sort of teased and taunted for several years with a Relayer Tour, which I guess never happened here. I don't remember if it happened in the UK or not. Um, and obviously they've decided to just sort of move past that, which is cool. I've got to say, looking at the set list, which I just pulled up today, I had not, um, I had not looked at it before. This is a fascinating set list. Um. There, there's, there's a lot of stuff that this particular incarnation of yes, seemed to like to play. And that we've heard um for the last several tours, which is fine. But there really were some quite surprising other things that were kind of sprinkled around in here that took me a little bit by surprise. Um, mm. So I thought that was really cool. I guess the one thing that that I I really was surprised is that there's nothing at all from The Quest on here. The Quest? Was that an album? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was
1: wasn't 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 a, wasn't a disappointment because um, the two tracks that they inserted from um, Mirror to the Sky uh, was was very much appreciated by by the crowd. hmm mm-hmm. And That's the good. band, they got kind of pumped. Yeah. Yeah. They were excited.
2: That's awesome.
1: But uh, so let's jump right in. Yeah. Let's do it.
2: Joe, let me start with The Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra by Benjamin Britten. It it was nice to have something other than the... uh, uh, The suite, the fire... Firebird suite? Firebird suite in all of its glory. Um, So uh, it was just a delightful little tease to have something different to come on to. And, and, And just being there and just being part of that group revelation because they managed to keep the set list so secret. Um, and just having Paul next to me and hearing <laughs> going for the one, like that whole feeling was so exciting. It was just like, good <laughs> Lord, they've brought back going for the one and, and, and and TMR has been killing it. Right. With, with, with Terry. So it's, it, it, it's fresh in our minds. Uh, so, so just hitting, going
0: for the one was really brilliant. So, um, so I want to, I want to stay there for just a quick second because, as we've talked about it with regards to um, TMR and everything else, going for the one in this podcast can sometimes get a little bit of a bad rap. Now, that that it certainly seems shocking that official yes would open up a show with that. So, yes. and and we have, I remember when we did the original episode on the album Going for the One, and I think even on the the repeat, which we ended up finally releasing, they're, they're love it or hate it, whether it's screechy and annoying or over the top or whatever, Going for the One does the song has a certain energy about it. So having, uh, it sounds to me like, that sort of energy was communicated through this performance.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, The only thing that was toned down was uh, Steve himself. Uh, He's got the steel, so he's got the pedal steel, but does he also play telly on there? There's a lot going on, if I remember. And, And none of that is screechy
1: so i i felt like um it it wasn't the noisy cacophony at the end that you get and um the energy to me i i found this show to be you know very energetic i mean jay Shellen. there were a couple times where um not in this song but there are a couple times where you know i felt like jay Shellen was really pushing the tempo quite appropriately and um at times when you know for you know, Steve's riffs where, you know, Steve was almost sounding, I don't want to say he was sounding like he was having trouble keeping up, but, you know, he, he was, he was like, you know, holding on. Like there was that sort of urgency to the playing. Like this is a little, little at the, at the height of the tempo that it should be. So I thought the energy was great. I, and I, John Davison came out and just was, he, I, he just was, the, I, for me, he, that just seemed like there was this, additional kind of confidence this additional kind of just i'm the man kind of like feel not in like a you know rock star sort of you know asshole way but just kind of like the way he delivered i mean it's, it's i mean that's a hell of a song to open up with yeah and vocally and the way he delivered and the way he was communicating with the guys on stage and and making contact with the audience you know members it was it was very cool and a lot of fun A lot of fun. I I felt like, you know, they were sort of struggling to dial Billy's vocals in, you know, at the beginning a little bit, and, and, you know, I think Billy is... Billy also is using a new arsenal of Iben as basses. And there were a few times during the night, I don't remember it in this song particularly, but there were a few times during the night where he was, like, clearly distracted by the bass, right? something you know the knobs the the, you know whatever was happening and um so i think he had a lot in his mind going on instrumentally i think it took him a a couple songs to kind of get the you know at least that's what it felt like to me but um but it was also it was also the warm-up show right so right so it was like i mean maybe this was the first time where there was ever the pressure of like oh i actually do have to be at the microphone to sing this part um so people hear it i don't know who knows like I said, it's like watching an old buddy, you know, <laughs> try to get his shit together before the gig. It's awesome. I
0: guess I wasn't aware of the uh this Ibanez change. I wonder if there was some sort of uh, a sponsorship deal or what. That's that's fascinating. But talking about going for the one cuz one of the knocks uh, you know on <laughs> this particular version of Yes for years has been tempo issues. Normally they would open up with something like what perpetual change and it just you know I- i'm guessing if going for the one was too slow that would be one of those songs where it would feel painful and that yeah. that wasn't the case here so that's cool
1: it wasn't it was great and and ken i i'll say it now there was there there was an interesting thing happening to at least that i thought maybe and again this could be my bias this could be me making shit up but there, there definitely seemed to be um, a connection happening between John Davison, Billy Sherwood, and Jay Shellen—a uh, camaraderie, ship, uh, uh, um, just a connection while they were they were on stage playing. There are a couple times where you know John would kind of turn his his back to to, to Jay. Billy would kind of turn his back to play towards Jay. And it was almost like the three of them were here in this little triangle. Interesting. While, while Steve was way off in the, on the side and, and Jeff is back in his, his keyboard um, compound. <laughs> and, and, um, and, I, and I thought that was cool. It was, it was, it was maybe I'm making out more than, than it should be, but it was kind of cool to see that. Because I think that also kind of fueled some of that John Davison attitude, you know, good, good, goodness that we were that we were getting.
0: Excellent, that's cool. I like that. So, all right, going for the one, very, very cool. Now, looking at the set list, I'm trying to imagine your reaction when they went into song two.
1: Well, it was it was I was definitely <laughs> was one of the geeks that, who was like head was exploding, and uh, you know, I was like probably uttering audible, oh, ah, you know, kind of, kind of sounds. I could not believe that they pulled out Be a Good Day from the latter. Yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. And it was, it was really, I mean, what a great song for John Davison to sing, too. Um, it's, yeah. it, as,
0: as I'm sitting here thinking about it, like, initially I was thinking, well, you know, maybe this is, this is related to that, that, Billy John sort of connection Bec- and 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 as I was thinking about it I'm like I bet this was really good for John to sing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and apparently it was.
1: Yes. And I think there were a couple times where he was the only one who knew what the next part was. Um, <laughs> but they you know they followed along and, and they uh, they they did they did well and it was you know it was and it's it's cool like one of the things that I love about Jeff Downs is that, you know, he could not be further away from the latter, right? Right. He had all, he had all like, the the, the the little percussion, like, the duh, 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 mm-hmm. like all that stuff. Like, he just had it nailed sound-wise, and, and he was really on top of it. It was awesome. Jeff Downs is a freaking pro. There's no doubt about it.
0: I mean, and, and you know, we've obviously spent a lot of time talking about various keyboardists, and yes, because you have to. And And I've said it before I'll say it again. Jeff pays more attention to the details than I think any other keyboardist they've had
1: nice. yes yeah, i i I agree and and he pays um the price in um extra equipment travel fees um <laughs> to do so
2: yeah, I, yeah. Mean,
1: the, I mean he i've seen entertainment systems that were smaller than the monitors that he had on going on in the back and um and no he, he
2: used to have those four screens on yes 50 he's down to uh, two laptops now
1: <laughs> so, so he's got some laptops on top of these big things he's got no less than nine keyboard apparatus to play and yeah he's
0: got three banks of three right
1: yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. And and um some sort of pedal board in the front, base yep. pedals or trigger pedals. Yep. And then the first time I've ever noticed this is he had some sort of like mixer thing on his like belt. Belt buckle, Really? Bucket, like with knobs that he would be turning during the and, if, you know, it almost like I'm thinking, like, what, like it was almost like... That's the like control
2: for his in-ear monitors. He's just is that a, what that adjusting is? the volume up and down.
1: So, you know, it, it was fantastic. He would just, like, before a solo, he'd crank it up and, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the dude's got a lot going on back there with nine keyboards, a pedal, a monitor on his hip, laptops. And um, I only really noted one kind of mix-up um, from him, which was when he tried to start... He tried to start the um, connected all connected song twice um, with like a trigger. But here, here's one thing I I do have to question. I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on this. They always seem to set his keyboards up in reverse, right? Where you know the back panel of keyboards is in the back of the stage. So when he goes to play those, his back is to the audience. But no, seriously, like, you know, I mean, I mean, there are so many awesome things about Jeff Downs. Um, And I I just think aesthetically it would be better if his keyboards were faced the other way. So, you know, we could see him play. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I've I've always thought that was a little odd, but I don't know. It's what he likes. So that's what he does. Yeah, yeah okay so it will be a good day then they went into machine Messiah so uh, according to setlist FM it will be a good day is the first time they played that since 2000 which is pretty cool
1: that, I, that that's incredible wow. yeah
0: machine Messiah is the first time since 2018 which would wow. have been when I saw them on the topographic drama tour in Vegas
2: holy smokes. wow I mean that was just it was just so perfect because uh, you've got Steve. <laughs> and, and, and my head's going, they can't. They can't. They can't possibly pull this off. <laughs> oh, they're doing it. Like, And it wasn't a medley. It wasn't a teaser. It wasn't fucking with you. It was like goddamn Machine Messiah. Ken, at the top of the
0: show, you had mentioned... Um, John Davidson bringing a certain uh, Benoit energy, because one of the things that sort of always separated Benoit, in my mind, uh, in terms of live performances, was when he would break out the acoustic in in Machine Messiah. So did John do that as well? Exactly
2: or? that. Exactly that. He owned it. Very cool. He did cool. such a great job with it yeah yeah I mean he 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 probably learned from the David video you know and and um, I, I think
0: you know looking at this this set list i I'm going to wonder if this younger core group that we have now isn't starting to have some influence on what's chosen um but i I have the impression and I have no reason to say this. Other than I'm projecting but I've I, ever since I saw them in 2018 I have this this feeling that
2: Billy loves machine Messiah good yes as as we all should absolutely yeah. uh, we're living in the machine uh, the the song came true uh, it is it, just fantastic and that's when I realized a uh, third song that um, just vocals were great um steve was doing all his lines and all the vocoder stuff was jeff right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 yeah. so you got four guys singing you got all the right parts you got the right tempo the only difference between this and 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 yes 25 years ago was that you didn't have some of the, the 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 impromptu stuff that alan would bring to the songs, you know, uh, I, I, I would, I would just say that, um, there was always a little bit of chaos between the Chris Allen relationship Mm -hmm. and, 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 and Billy's not doing that with, um, uh, Jay, uh, in that way, uh, Jay really is, uh, the rock. He will not deviate. He, he will not, you know, he, he may push Steve in a more positive direction, but he does not deviate. That J J is the J. He isn't, he's an immovable force. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> seem to improvise. Joey Cass, you know, will we, we'll, will we'll push the envelope, and he'll bring in all the Alan White isms, right, into Messiah. But, but well, you're, you're- that that and, and Joey Cass is part Gonzo, so. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't have that you know it it was a very by the numbers machine messiah and then they went into america now this is this
0: has become kind of kind of a hallmark yeah
1: sorry they um they actually before america they did um all good people uh your move and uh i've seen all good people
0: that's listed as number six on setlist fm interesting They are incorrect. They are incorrect. Fascinating. Okay. Okay, so seen All Good People. Song number four. Song
2: number
1: four. All Good People.
2: Oh, Paul, I think you're right. How the hell did this get in setlist FM like this? That's crazy. I don't know.
1: That's because I didn't update it. Um,
2: You're right. America was much later. It was two songs later. Well, America
1: was one more song later. Uh, So there's two things. Um, uh, So, I mean... this is a warm-up show, okay, and so a couple times, you know, like I said, it seemed like John was the only one who knew when the next part was. There were there were a couple of you know glances over the shoulder at certain times. John would have the wireless mic and he would sort of like look back at Jay and start singing a line or whatever. So there was some on-stage communication, but there were times where uh, you could tell that someone was not sure or thinking that something was going on and and the times that you were able to tell that the most was when it was steve howe and because steve howe is you know he's playing his guitar he's like ken says he's playing every note he's just in the zone whether he's singing switching guitars (laughs) I was just laughing because... <laughs> all right,
2: I'd like to translate for the people that in the audience that don't speak Cylon. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Aww,
1: <what
2: the? laughs> so, so, so it's turn of the century. Steve is normally in the zone, multitasking, doing all of the things. But yes, his, his spine becomes erect when something goes wrong. And he starts making these crazy hand signals over to Jeff. But Jeff is in middle keyboard section, which means his back is to the audience. <laughs> and to no avail, Steve cannot not hail uh, Jeff like a cab. You know what I mean? He's oh just my like God. waving his arms in the breeze. And, 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 and the steadfast trio is just over there. Hold ground, boys. Hold ground. Hold ground. This, this two shall pass. It didn't sound off but it was was it the wrong voicing was the keyboard too loud what paul what did you think that that incident
1: was i i i don't really know exactly because when a lot of times when steve would do that throughout the show like that one time he was trying to flag down jeff and i he (laughs) clearly wanted jeff to play something that he wasn't playing (laughs) but there were other times where he was he would gesture to jay and I do. I almost feel like during one of the one of the moments of the show when he was when that was happening, John Davison, you know, kind of like was looking at Steve, almost like shaking him off, saying, "No, no, no, it, it's right. We're good. Like it's coming. Like whatever it was that you know Steve thought everybody missed, or you know, he's like, it's coming, it's coming." But it just was. It was, and I don't mean I'm I'm not trying to like be a jerk about Steve Howe. I literally took great joy in, yeah and seeing these guys experience you know what we've all experienced you know on you know on stage when you know you're, you're playing in front of people and and you, you're thinking something's going wrong or that moment when you know you're you know you're singing three part par- harmony with other people and everyone's playing and something sounds terribly wrong and you <laughs> You can't figure out what it is. And everybody <laughs> just starts looking around at each other like, what is that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think what we're witnessing is the fact that Mirror to the Sky was uh, a lot of Steve and John Davidson working together, forming this relationship. And I think, Paul, what you're alluding to is in these spaces where, where Steve would get worried I think uh, John is kind of becoming his his guide, and 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 they are getting through these moments together as a team, right?
1: Yes, indeed. And and there were a couple of incidents between Steve and his guitar tech, which were also quite comical <laughs> uh, through the night. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say there were only two guitars, and the and well the, and the acoustic guitar, it's three guitars. No, sorry, four guitars. Okay, yeah. Well, he's got right. the pedals. He, he's working hard. He's got he's the belly.
2: He's he's got the the red Fender Strat. I mean, I mean, got steel's got to come in. Guitar. Yeah,
1: yeah, the effects guitar. Yeah.
0: It's, I'm really pleased to hear how you're describing, you know, this the the relationship that is manifesting on the stage between the band members, because you know, in previous tours when we've talked. Either we've gone to see them ourselves or we've talked to people who have seen them. You know, it. I, again, I I haven't talked to Steve. I don't know. We should ask Joe Cass. He probably has the answer. But it, it seems almost like Steve was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders and his shoulders alone. And it sounds like maybe there's a certain amount of trust being built up in the band that Steve doesn't have to do that anymore. And it sounds like it's better for all parties involved. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah,
1: yes. John. John was even introducing some songs and talking to the crowd. That's the, awesome. Um, the I mean, night, yeah,
0: the guy's been in the band for what ten years. He should at this point.
1: Yeah, he's recorded three albums. I mean, seems
0: seems appropriate. It does. So this this middle part of of the set, and it, regardless of how it is, all good people, America, time in a word, and South Side of the Sky. Those are for this group of of yes th- these are like sort of like the core songs that they seem to like to play
1: mm. yeah and america was just sort of a instrumental it was um it was a truncated version of
0: america okay so it wasn't so, the full 15 minute version
1: yeah it was sort of like the back half of all the instrumental so st- i don't even think they sang during the song i think okay. they just yeah yeah, so it was cool. So, I mean, it was very cool. It was like the best parts of, you know, if you had to truncate it, it that was what the right move.
0: And, and I say that now, you know, Setlist FM says Time in a Word and South Side of the Sky. It's the first time they've played those since 2018. Um, so I guess maybe
2: I haven't really seen them a whole bunch since Yes 50. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm just going to make this. This one comment about um, all good people—that's um, where I really noticed a different bass sound. Um, the, the, you know, the, 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 those thudding notes at the beginning. It—it mm-hmm. um, it wasn't Chris, but it wasn't weak either. It was just—it was just a very unique. Thing and it was maybe slightly different than what Billy was getting from his Warwick basses. Maybe that was maybe, maybe that was my first real taste of the Ibanez. Um, yeah, Paul, Paul, how did you interpret the bass sounds through?
0: Yeah, the night? We're, we're gearheads here, so let's talk about this for for a quick second. I mean, I,
1: does the Ibanez make a difference? I, I don't know if it made a difference, but the I mean the bass sounds uh, were I think. Completely legit and exactly what I wanted to hear and expected to hear mm-hmm. uh, from mm-hmm. all of you know what I've what I've heard from from Billy. I don't know that I that I noticed. I mean, I, I have to I have to say that. I mean, seeing TMR and having myself literally six feet away um, from I'm gonna I'm gonna put you what uh, his name Randy um, Randy. Thank you. Right, right away from Randy, uh, you know, that, I mean, he had the, te- uh, the, uh, the Rick and the, the sound just dialed in. So like, I, I always, well, find yeah, and
2: the, you've, you've been nearly as close to Joel too.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I always kind of feel like uh, Billy is a little juicier with his, with his effects. Like there's a little, a little more soup, soup, a little more yep. sauce on yeah, on it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. and I felt like that was there. And I, you know, I, there were, I mean, like I said, there were a couple of times where he was clearly distracted by something with his bass. I, 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 never noticed any, uh, any, any crazy things at all. But I, you know, I, I thought that, you know, his tone throughout the night was spot on and delicious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious then about this next, <laughs> next part of the set sort of, um, before we get to the, the new material.
2: Well, let's hit South Side of the Sky, because okay. I, ju- I just totally did not expect that, um, and, and and I just didn't expect the grace that Jeff delivered it with. I mean, you guys must have seen, uh, it says here, first time since 2018. Yeah. So, so, Joe, you may have seen one of these at some point, or Paul, you may have seen one of these, um, but, you know, that was fucking great. <laughs> It was just fucking great. It was it was great to see um Jeff so consumed in a classic guest song that had uh basically little sections of keyboard solos. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I you know, my general feeling is that Southside is in general completely underappreciated. So I'm glad it's getting, you know, yeah. love now with Yes Official and certainly um TMR has been playing it. I just I think it's a it's a great song. It's just kind of buried, if that's the right word, in the middle of, of Fragile. Yeah. So.
1: Did, um, Joe, did we see ARW do that song? I feel like they did.
2: Ooh. It's been played only 300 and th- 344 times by Yes and uh, 426 times by other artists. So I think it's an underappreciated gem. Let me see here. Yes, Yes featuring uh, Anderson, Raven, and Wakeman. Has played this thirty six times. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I feel like I feel like we saw that because I want to say that us outside of ARW and TMR, this is the first time I've ever heard like the Yes official play this or any other version of Yes that I've seen. Yeah, that, that, that I, it's, it's a I, good I agree with you one hundred percent, Ken. The, the Jeff Downs just like crushed it. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, he had a certain sensitivity to it. He was mm-hmm. really all over it. Yeah. I just love this chart. I can't get over it. So, so most of the plays of this song are yes or yes, featuring Anderson, Raven, Wakeman. There are some with just John Anderson. Uh, uh, 20 performances known where John Anderson and Rick Wakeman teamed up. And then there is one public performance by Rachel Flowers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that made the chart. And she will be at Progstock. That's right. But, Joe, you were saying we were getting to the next section.
0: Yeah, this next section is just totally fascinating to me. Uh, Hmm. Yes. And I, I, I don't even want to sort of tee them up one at a time. I just want to kind of just marvel for a second that after all that other stuff you went into or they went into, you guys got to experience turn of the century, rhythm of love. And don't kill the whale. Smoking. That is a fascinating stretch of songs.
1: Yeah, and to be clear, it's even better when it's turn of the century, don't kill the whale, and then rhythm of love. Which really? Was, which is the correct order? Whoever did the set list on the set list? Yeah, someone's got to fix this. This is terrible. I know. It's uh. Okay. It's, uh. Yeah.
0: So, so, so a, a, according to Setlist FM, Turn of the Century had some sort of Alan White tribute. Is that correct? Yes. We should yes, probably so, cover that.
1: Yeah. So John was. This was one of the songs he introduced. He said, "You know, we're doing a lot of songs from different times, and and this is a a song that was um, you know, really important to Alan. He, I think he talked about. Um, yeah, he talked about it. it was really really important. Alan, Alan had a, a hand in writing it, and we'd like to dedicate it to him." And it's called Turn of the Century. And I immediately got chills up and down my entire body. And, you know, Steve starts with the opening chord. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that I was about to hear that. And, and, I, and I have to say, like, the two things that I, I remember about that is, is another perfect song for John Davison to sing and mm. to emote um, that, the, the passion in that story. And then, what a difficult song that is to pull off live! All yeah. of those little instrumental passages—just, I mean, it's it's remarkable. Really, they is they
2: were they were just functioning like 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 little wound-up toy soldiers. Like, um, it, it it was just so fascinating the independence of the, of the musicians. Uh, 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 Jay stood right and did did the intricate cymbal work and.
1: I felt like his intricate uh, symbol work could have uh, be- benefited from um, a little more subtlety and dynamics. Um, I'll just be honest. Um, okay, all right. I-, but- <laughs> I felt like he was he-, he was operating like as a perfect example, <laughs> perfect description, like a wind up soldier. And you know, there were times where I just wish he would have been a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, aware of of the p- passage
2: this song has a very unique sense of harmony and it's not complicated, but it's a little dark, right? But, but with the right execution, you take this potentially dark constrictive harmony and you like let it loose. And I feel like it was just the, the right amount of pepper in the soup that kind of made it explode. And, (laughs) And, and, and with that, christmas toy soldier reference like when you look like at the the layers of what billy is doing independently from steve's guitar work and then the the beautiful key sections it just really it's it's like watching the, the 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 christmas train set at the mall just watching things spin around it was just like i'm so glad i get to see turn of the century live as a surprise. It was just so liberating to see that happen.
1: It was, I mean, and those, that's a song with what, three guitar changes, I think. Yeah. Um, And, you know, he starts with an acoustic sitting down, he changes over to electric and then he ends on the special effects guitar, which is a 12 string sound uh, to play the the final ending. And it was, it was beautiful. Like I, at, at this point of the show, I was really contemplating. Okay, how am I going to get to Philly on Friday to see <laughs> to see this show again? Because um, I didn't really want to go to Philly. I had way too much going on. But I was like, oh, you know, if I tried hard enough, I bet you I could I could pull a, a Kenny G and, and show up halfway through Roger Dean's uh, opening opening act. And <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah it was wonderful joe i mean i mean you know i wish you were there dude i wish i was there as well all right and
0: so then they go into don't kill the whale obviously we've spent a lot of time on this podcast uh, discussing mm-hmm. <laughs> discussing various aspects of Tormato um with our friends on the yes music podcast about kevin's book a uh, lot of of lore you know and but i i can imagine don't Kill the Whale was a crowd-pleaser. probably comes off really well. Oh, gosh.
1: So Steve Howe introduced this song, and he said something to the effect of, you know, John wrote that song about, you know, a sculptor. And he said he also wrote some songs about, you know, that were less, uh, you know, whatever, and more issues of the day. Um, he could have just as well said, okay, Paul, we just played a song for you. Now we're going to play one for Ken. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I freaked out i was the loudest person in the house when
2: they when that when they hit don't kill the whale (laughs) very nice it it was it was fantastic
0: but me being a trevor head and actually um just today because you know life gets on top of you um i just pre-ordered my uh my trevor raven rio yeah very good so um me being a Trevor head, I'm always fascinated when Yes official breaks out a Trevor Raven song, "Rhythm of Love." Fascinating choice. How'd that go? Uh,
1: I I believe they've been omitting it from the, the the tour sets that I've seen so far, and I mm-hmm. think it's a I think it's a good call. Um, <laughs> you know, if if you know that performance, you know, or Starship Trooper, I'd probably take uh, Starship Trooper. Um, Ken it, would and, not. And <laughs> it's just yeah you know it's just uh, that's another one you know to, to ken's point like you know steve howe is just not uh you know i mean it's almost fantastic too like just as trevor seems to be incapable of uh playing a steve howe part um you know steve howe is just kind of making it his own and, and doing his thing and and um, you know his his guitar solo and and oh you know what was else that was really interesting is that while there was a lot of singing from all um, all four members up on, on, on you know from Jeff Steve John and and um, Billy John I'm sorry Steve and Jeff are sometimes taking it down an extra octave sometimes not really delivering um, on the vocals I would say this was probably the first show where I, where by by uh that i noticed it was pretty much mostly billy and john and and um and in this in the breakdown section of you know the um rhythm of love where in the original recording you have trevor come in with a line and then chris comes in with a line and then john right john and billy were trading off those lines and um and there there was just something i don't want to say they phoned it in but it just seemed like they were like you know, it wasn't delivered with the same um, conviction as say, like it will be a good day. Sure.
2: And, and what, what's, what's really bizarre for me is that I've seen this twice. They only did it 10 times in 2019, <laughs> but I was there in Westchester County, white Plains, New York with Joey's crowd to see rhythm of love. And then I show up to the black box and I see rhythm <laughs> of love. like, Like, there are people that have never seen this since the 90s, and I've seen it twice.
0: (laughs) Fascinating. All right. So um, I, I hold out hope that with the release of Rio that Trevor will tour at some point, but that's a whole different story.
1: That would be exciting.
0: So that then takes us into the the two tracks from Mirror to the Sky, All Connected and Cut from the Stars. I believe these were the the first two singles they released. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: You said uh, at the top of the show, the band were kind of, you know, into these songs, juiced by it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. All Connected did not stay in the set, but Cut from the Stars uh that, that that i'm sure that's in for the duration of the tour
1: hmm. yeah all connected uh felt like it was a little disconnected uh through parts of it um it i mean the, some of the sections just didn't seem like and you know granted i'm probably not as familiar with that with some of the others but there were a couple of parts where i i was kind of like mm, like come on guys you got it like you know and then they get to the next part and be like okay so i don't know if that has anything to do with why they keep? Why they take it out? Because I, I mean, I don't know. I I just think that it would be like I I honestly like if I would go see the show again, I'd be happy if they removed Rhythm of Love. But I think I would rather see uh, All Connected versus the the instrumental version of America, right? Huh. Um, just throwing just throwing it out there. It's it's cool. I mean, and it's got that cool melody off the off the the um, lap steel at the beginning and then, you know, kind of goes into a little bit more of a of a of a sweet type of type of song. I don't know if it's epic, but um, not by our our definitions. I agree with Ken. I found these two songs to be a joyful part of of the night for both the band and the crowd.
0: I guess I'm glad that they were, you know, well received as well. I know we had our things to say. Um, actually, we haven't talked about mirrors of the sky. The last episode of Yes that um, I edited was yeah. the quest, which was a whole different thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the start of me being disinvited to all of the Yes functions. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh,
0: I, but I, I as I'm as I'm remembering the experience, right? Because my initial reactions with mirror to the sky were maybe not great, but I I actually did kind of get myself into a place of understanding of that record. And so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. And I think it's important for, you know, any band um, where you have member changeover to be able to, you know, play the songs that the people on stage are invested in. I think that, You know, I think that manifests itself.
1: I, and and what's really, you know, it would have. It, I mean, if you look at the set list and think about all of like truly spanning all of the tales of this band, how could how could they avoid or how could they not play something from the brand new album they just released this year? I mean, it seems like they, you know, they, you know, not that they have to, but it's completely appropriate. And I agree at this point they've they've released two albums with this, with this setup. Um, It's it's John Davison's third album with the band. I mean, if you're not going to play him live, it gets to the point of, well, why, why are you bothering? Yeah. You know, put him out. absolutely. And
0: so the, the last song that they did um, for the main set is fascinating. So they, and I'm curious, you know, hopefully we can get through this relatively quickly. You know, every, Yes, fans often talk about tales in, in whatever form or fashion that they do. We know that Joe Cass is absolutely obsessed with tales in its entirety. Yeah. Looking at this, it would appear to me from the outside that Yes Official has somehow found a way to distill down all four tracks into some sort of flowing, medley, wonderful type thing. Is that what you guys saw?
1: Yes thumbs up I, I don't know if it was all flowing together wonderfully but it it they definitely accomplished that
0: cool because yeah, they they I, had they had done leaves of green again back on that topographic drama tour you know, i mean they had done most of that but um i remembered leaves of green specifically um being very very touching which was weird because at the way back then um, it had been a while since I was really that familiar with Tales, and I I was surprised to find that there was something worthwhile in the ancient, but there's leaves a green right in the middle of it. So.
1: Yeah. Mm. Ken, Ken, was there anything in Tales from Topographic Ocean that you wish they would have put in there that, that you didn't hear?
2: Uh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure if I do a listen, I'll schedule on my calendar when I'm gonna go back and listen to tales because I know I'll be interrupted somewhere in, in some, um, and yeah. yeah I, I folks who, who claim they need the entire thing for, for, from beginning to end I, I I just just don't know how they structure their day to make this work <laughs> so
0: I mean y- we're we are we are certainly steeped in in yes music and lore, but you guys were satisfied with this presentation.
1: Uh, yeah, I was for sure. Yeah, and, and I
2: mean, it was a world premiere of a medley, and every time they hit uh, a chorus or uh, just just a riff, that it just it just brought this instant you know jolt of adrenaline to me it was just like oh yep check that box check that box check that box and and the and the three boxes that they missed who gives a fuck it was just so good i mean
1: (laughs) yeah and and the thing that was really interesting about experiencing it is like not really sure like what was happening as it was happening right you're just kind of absorbing Mm -hmm. it all at once so then you kind of realize okay they're you know are they are they gonna do are are they gonna, are they gonna truncate the whole thing? Like, is that what they're, you know? And then, and then, so as it's happening, it's sort of like going by you, and and you're, you know, like Hen said, all of a sudden you you hit something. You're like, ah, oh, that's great, that part. And then, and so, you know, it it really, again, that was another one of the things that I was like, man, if I could get to the show on Friday, uh I would like to hear this again. Now that I know it's coming, right, and I still am very curious to hear you know it would be great if they you know had a YouTube video of it or something that they that you know you could listen to um, and really absorb the changes and what's happening and and you know kind of kind of get to it uh, it was It was really satisfying. I will say it was one of the more comical parts of the Steve Howe poor guitar tech moments um (laughs) so during i think at the leaves of green before the guitar solo part the acoustic guitar solo part i feel like the guitar tech was a little late bringing the acoustic guitar out for steve so steve had to start that section standing up right and again you know steve is a is a a a very fit whatever he whatever age he is in his late 70s right very fit guy he's got the guitar he's playing and and then they bring his stool out so he can sit down but they didn't bring his footstool out for his for his hand and i don't know if steve was was like motioning to the guy to bring his footstool out but the the tech it was like the tech didn't want to come out because the tech knew it wasn't time to switch off the guitars again and and Steve kept, like, you know, motioning to him. <laughs> and <laughs> So then Steve basically gave up.
0: Yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And then uh, I don't really need to talk about Roundabout as an encore.
1: You know, they came out and Steve Hal said, listen, he basically said, you know, we're about to kick off a tour and we're exhausted. So we're just going to play one more song for you. <laughs> and, and they played roundabout. They played it.
2: <laughs> he said, "He said we've been doing this for a week. Like, like, like <laughs> I think they they had been in that room for a week. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah,
1: I think they 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 had been they had been woodshedding. So and, they played and... roundabout uh, at a a very very appropriate tempo for um for us and um and then and then that was the show." Awesome. That's yeah. great.
2: And Ken was not subjected to Starship Trooper. Exactly. So, that's a win. Right. 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 I mean, I mean the song has religious implications for me. I love it. I just don't need to hear it at the end of every freaking show. <laughs>
0: well, that's awesome. Um I'm I'm so glad you guys got to go and I'm glad we got a chance to kind of walk through this here tonight. Cuz as I said, I mean, I had kind of convinced myself that I wouldn't have gone um, even if I could, but it just, there was no way that I could go to get this show. But I will say on the strength of this discussion, if they release some sort of a, of a live album out of this, I may just check it out. There you go.
2: I hope you're not jealous. We're going to see uh, Joe Denison, Stratospherius and the oh, I'm jealous. Space. Yeah.
0: Don't worry. I, I would have, I'd, you know, and, and it's funny because I follow the Kennet flash um, and Joe Denison. So I've been seeing all of that for like a week. And it's like, Ugh. Yeah. Well, that's all right. I've got, uh, I got plenty of stuff to keep me entertained down here. In fact, Sarah and I have a huge concert lineup coming up. Um, we've got Prague stock, Peter Gabriel, the church, two fixed shows, three more national shows. So wow. we're going to be busy. Wow. Oh, boy. We'll close this one out again. Thank you guys for A, going, B, sharing the experience. This is really, really cool. And after we get done prog Stock, then we can circle back and actually start doing um, what it is that um, we say we, we do here and talk about uh, some progressive rock music in the form of finally. And I swear, I know we've been talking about it for years the sticks and kansas dual track is coming so we'll get there very much looking forward to that but thanks guys appreciate your time you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Calaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, what used to be Twitter, and threads. We are at Prague Paula and all of those are search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.